Let's just bow before the Lord as we come in dependence on Him, as we open His Word. Yes, Lord, indeed we bow the knee before You. We remember this morning that You are Almighty God. And in Your grace and in Your mercy, You sent Your only Son, our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he became man and dwelt here on earth and then was killed by us. But all so that he could demonstrate his true love by rising again on the third day, triumphant over death and then going to be with you again. And he is soon to return. What an amazing plan of salvation. Lord, as we come before your word this morning and we see this passage which speaks about the urgency of coming through that narrow door, I pray that your spirit would do your work in us, every single one of us. And those who, won't, who don't know you will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ today. And those of us who do know you will you evaluate whether we see the fruit of walking on the narrow way. Lord, do your work so that you will be glorified through our obedience, we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke as we resume our studies in this fantastic book we've been working through. And we are in chapter 13 and verses 22 to 30 this morning. 22 to 30 of chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 verse 22. And Jesus went through the cities and the villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And remember, where is he on his way to? To be crucified. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And Jesus said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and your, yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. 
I wonder if you've uh, been on holiday on the inter-island ever. Not on holiday on it, but taken it on your holiday, right? Right. We had the privilege of being able to do that this past um, holiday. And you start years in advance, don't you? Because it's so expensive if you don't. And so you, you get a quote on the internet or you go wherever to a tourism agency and you get your quote to go on the inter-island and after the initial shock, because it's nearly cheaper to go to Australia, you um, get this quote and then you start preparing for your holiday. You get all the camping gear together, you make sure you've got the gas stove and the gas cylinders and the car tyres are pumped up well in advance, The tire, everything is checked, the car's been for a service and as the time draws near, you're starting to get excited and the kids are starting to get excited and man, it's going to be a good holiday, right? And if you've ever been camping with Dave, and I have, you start planning how you're going to get the kitchen sink, everything packed in there and um, it's a really good time. And then... The day before, you make sure everything is packed in, you make sure the, the sailing is on time and um, you start travelling down towards Wellington and then you get to Wellington and the car is there and you uh, get your quote and you go up to the ticket office and you say, I'd like to uh, book this ticket please. And they say to you, not in these words, they say, you stupid idiot. This is only a quote. You haven't actually booked. And so I'm sorry you can't go, it's fully booked. And so there you stand, the ferry is there, the doors are open, all the other cars are going in, but you can't because you didn't book. You didn't pay the price, you didn't commit. This passage today comes down to that type of thrust. But Jesus just does, tells it in a way that only he can. Have you made the commitment to enter heaven? Or have you only thought about it and prepared for it, but you haven't actually gone that next step? You see, Jesus tells this parable, the story to illustrate this point. Because as he's going on his way to be crucified for sinners, right? You see the big picture here? Jesus is going to die for sinners. And yet here are some in front of him who've seen him performing miracles. They've heard what he said. They've spent all his time that he was on this earth with him. And yet they are not ready. And one of them comes to him and he says, now, we don't know if he was saved or not saved, but he, he says to the Lord, Lord, are there just a few who will be saved? You see, the Jews of that day and the Pharisees with the rabbis, okay, they kept debating this question. How many are going to be saved? And they had days-long discussions on this question. Is it going to be so many or so many? And these would be the reasons. And they would justify and counter-argue how many would actually be saved. But the problem was, you see, that for many of these Jews, they thought that the kingdom was theirs by right of inheritance. Why? Because Abraham was their great father, wasn't he? And because he was our great, 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 great grandfather, by right of inheritance, we as Jews will enter the kingdom. Many of them thought that was what was happening. And so they could debate, who else will be there? 
Will it be just a few? Because the rest are Gentiles. We don't really want them in there. They're unclean. And so these, these rabbis, these Jewish leaders would be discussing this constantly, day in, day out. But Jesus makes it very clear through this parable to not just this person who asked him the question, but to the wider crowd because he speaks to them all. Jesus makes it very clear that the demarcation of those who are saved and not saved is not nationalistic but spiritual. And it's a very true lesson for today too because there are many today who think they are going to heaven because they might be Jewish and born in Israel and there are many Jews who need to hear the gospel message that they need to come into a living relationship with the Lord if they are to be saved. And there are many today who think they are Christians who are sitting in churches who need to hear this message that it's not about going to church but it's who is saved and who is not saved. Who has come through this door which Jesus is speaking about? There was another attitude around in that day and there is the same attitude around today and it's those who thought they were saved looking down on those who aren't. We've already seen that in the Jews from Jerusalem. They looked down on any other Jews who were from any other part because if you came from Jerusalem, well, then you're in. And outside of Jerusalem, well, it's not quite, you know, second rate citizens. Well, there's some of us as believers who are born again and there's no passion for the lost. What we see are lost people. But we kind of see them as, well, they better hurry up, you know. Second rate, you see. It hasn't hit our hearts that they are lost. And so in Jesus' day, these Jews would look down at the Gentiles as inferior. But Jesus addresses this problem by telling this parable about this kingdom and this kingdom of heaven which he describes as this great feast where the patriarchs and the prophets would be there as the guests of honour and many people would be sitting around them at these long tables. And if you know anything about the feasts in the Old Testament and in the times of Jesus, they would have a specific venue, the invitations would go out long before and you had to actually respond to the invitation. Now sometimes they would just open the doors to the rabble, but mostly at important functions they would send out invitations, the servants would go after these invitations, and you had to respond. And then at a given time and a given place, everyone would come in, they'd all be seated at the tables, and then when the master got up, the doors would be closed, and no one else would be allowed in. That's how it worked. I believe in this history of this church there used to be a gentleman who used to close the doors at the back when the service started and you couldn't come in. Well, we should go back to that now. You see, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this feast. The invitation has gone out, but you need to come to the venue and come in through the door. You need to be checked that you've had the invitation and then you would be seated and then you would be part of it. And so his point, as we go through this, you'll see, he'll say that every person, whether you're Jew, Gentile, rabbi or rebel, and that should include all of us, needs to enter through the narrow door personally to be saved. The 
But you see, so many were invited and so many didn't get into the feast. Why? And the same reasons exist today. And we're going to look at them. The first one is this. Salvation is not easy. Now you need to listen carefully to me this morning when I say this. The reason so many are invited and they don't respond is because salvation is not easy. We see that in verses 22 to 25. Jesus says to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. That little word strive is really, really important. You see, in the original it means to agonize through. It was used of the arena where the gladiators would get into the arena and they would fight each other to the death. It wasn't like the Olympic Games today, okay, winners and losers. No, they would fight to the death. Only the last man would stand. That's the same word used here. Agonize to enter through this narrow door. Make every effort to enter through this narrow door. The struggle is fierce, you see, to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because Satan doesn't want you to enter. He's going to try everything he can to keep you away from entering that door. Your own sin inside you, your state before the Lord, will keep you from entering through that door. Your friends will keep you from entering through that door. The reason that you might not be as popular with your friends as before will keep you from entering through that narrow door. The attractions of this world will keep you from entering through that door into the kingdom. And so Jesus says you strive to enter through the narrow door. There is no other way. You can't get in any other entrance either. There's one narrow door you need to get into this kingdom. And it's impossible to enter into that door without Jesus Christ. Have you heard me? I'm going to repeat that. It is impossible to come into the kingdom through that narrow door without Jesus Christ. It's also not just impossible, it is impassable. You cannot get in through that door without Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is the door. Jesus said in John chapter 9, 10 verse 9, He says this, I am the door. It's not unclear. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and I will go in and, and, and they will go in and out and find pasture. So if he goes in through me, he will be saved. The opposite of that is, if he tries to go in without me, he will not be saved. Right? Reminds us of Jesus' warning about the narrow gate. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7, because when Jesus mentions the narrow door, immediately he had the association would be to other things he'd been saying, and one of the other things he'd been saying was speaking about the narrow gates and the, the narrow road and the wide road. It's all linked, you see. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. This is what he says. And I want you to apply this to your own life today and ask yourself, where am I in life with regards to this teaching? Jesus said, Matthew 7, 13, Enter by the narrow gate. 
For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who, what? Find it. You see, that word find has got, goes back to that word strive again. You've got to strive to find the way into the kingdom through Jesus Christ. In other words, you've got to strive to find Jesus Christ. It takes effort to find Jesus Christ. You've got to do searching to find Jesus Christ. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that through self-effort you will be able to get into the kingdom. I'm not saying that if you really try hard, because you try so hard, you will get into the kingdom. There are many who are trying to get into the kingdom that way. They go on journeys all over the world. They go and climb 400, 500 steps on their knees to get into the kingdom. They are striving hard, aren't they? But it's through their works they are trying to get into the kingdom. Not through the Son of Man. Not through the narrow door, Jesus Christ. They are unfortunately still on the, narrow, the wide road. The steps might be hard. The knees might be worn through. But it is still the wide road. It is still the wide gate. You cannot enter into heaven through the wide gate. You cannot go through your own efforts. What does that look like today? Well, today, striving in your own efforts looks like Christian religion. You can't get into heaven by being religious. Attending church services. Yes, okay, on an Easter and Christmas maybe, but at least you're attending church, right? Or maybe coming every single Sunday and having a big Bible. But that's all it is to you. That's just being religious. That's still the wide road. Or any other religion. You see, our community will tell us today that there are many ways to the Lord. There are many ways to God. If He exists, there are many ways to Him. And so you can try any religion. You'll hear that in the, in the media when they advertise all kinds of feasts here in our community. Diwali. There are all kinds of ways to happiness, right? Well, the Lord says no. There's one way to come in. The only way to come into this kingdom is to struggle to find Jesus Christ, to seek Him with all your attention, all your strength, like the great jewel that you've misplaced. Find Him. And then to enter in through Him. Because when you find Jesus Christ, He will enable you to enter. Without Him you cannot enter. When you find Jesus Christ, you have found the key to enter the kingdom because He will allow you to enter through Himself. You need to put your trust in Jesus Christ and that will gain you entry through Jesus Christ into the kingdom. There is no other way. He is the narrow door. And there's urgency here too, you see, because if you don't struggle to find Him, then like in the arena, you will die in your sin. The second best person who didn't try as hard, didn't survive in the arena, they died. You and I like that too, you know, we can go through our whole lives. Christianity can be all around us. 
We can hear all the messages, but if we don't act on it, we will die in our sin. And so there's a warning. Many will seek to enter and will not be able. Why? Because they might be trying to find the Lord in their own way. Through religion, through other religions, by being a good person. That's a speciality in New Zealand. We're very good at that here. Are you a Christian? No, I'm a good person. You hear that. If you go on street evangelism ever, if you've done that, ask someone, are you a Christian? No, no, I don't need that. I'm a good person. Some even try buying their way in. They make donations. Are you at a church? Well, I must come and attend. I'll make a donation, you know. Well, thank you for that. We'll take that, but attend. I'm not stupid. You see, we need to come by God's way to enter the kingdom. And the warning is here, many will seek to enter and will not be able. So they are seeking to enter, but they're trying to do it their own way. Or maybe they're trying to do it in their own time. This is another one. You, you should really think about becoming a good Christian because the time's going to run out. I'll do it in my, later. I first want to enjoy life. Teenagers, are you listening? I harped on you guys last year, last time, this time again. It's, it's one of those temptations that you often hear from younger people. I first want to enjoy life. I first want to do all these things. I want to do my big OE. I first want to get married if I get married still. And, and then I'll think about Christianity when I'm old. Well, no. You don't know when that door closes, you see. Some try and find the Lord, but they are seeking in their own time. And in the end, they will fail. Why? Because there's no more opportunity because the time has run out. If you're in control of time, then by all means, take your time. Because you know what's going to happen, right? But if you are not in control of time, then how can you presume that you have more time? I remember that old hymn, we sing, sing it here sometimes, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall, meet, shall be no more. There is going to become an instant in time when there was time, but now there is no more time. It's going to come in a millisecond of time. There will be no more time. Do you get that? And we don't know when that is, you see. And so there are many who will seek to enter and will not be able because they've tried to come in their own way and in their own time. And then there are many who have waited too long and haven't entered the kingdom for a second reason. Because they're under a false sense of security. Verses 26 to 27. He says, they will begin, and you will begin to say, we ate and we drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Now, what does he mean by that? You see, there, was, there are some at the end of time, when that moment of time has arrived, who will begin to say, when they are not allowed into heaven, they're going to start saying, But Lord, we ate and we drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. That's what they were saying to the Lord in his parable. 
The master had risen from the seat, from his seat, the doors had been closed, and these people were banging on the outside saying, let us in. And he was saying, I don't know you, but Lord, we were in your presence when you were doing miracles in our streets. We ate at the same tables as you. Actually, Lord, I invited you to my house to eat. You were at my house. And the Lord will say, depart from me. I never, what? Knew you. In other words, what's he speaking about? Relationship. There's no relationship between us. Yes, you knew me. You knew about me, but you never knew me as your saviour. And there are many, many people who know that as well. You see, they know everything about Christianity. They go and do all the Christian stuff. They look like Christians. If you look around you, next to you, they could be one of those. But they don't know Jesus Christ. This is urgent, you see, this morning. Do you know Jesus Christ as you sit in the seat in front of me? Do you know Jesus Christ in a relationship? If not, you could be striving to enter and you will not be able. You could be one of those who will one day bang on the gates of heaven if that would be possible and say, Lord, Lord, but I wasn't one when we east for 48 years of my life I sat through those sermons. And he will say, I never knew you. Go away from me. You see? There are no guests into that feast. Listen to me. There are no guests in that feast of the Lord by association. Just because you're associated with the church doesn't make you a Christian. I've used the hamburger illustration often. Just because you go into McDonald's and you're associated with McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. You've got to go through the process. It's very clear. Because you will hear from the Lord too those same words. If you do not go through the process of becoming a child of God, you will hear those same words, depart from me, you doers of iniquity. Now we jest about it this morning, but it's serious. Please get that point. And there are some too who haven't just come and tried to find the kingdom and they haven't come in because of a false sense of security, but there's a third thing here, verse 28. Pride. Now, if you look at that verse, you're going to think, but it's talking about crying. It's talking about gnashing of teeth. Where does pride come in? I'll tell you how pride comes in there. In that place, one day, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when people are turned away. What's he speaking about there in verses 28? You see, Jesus has begun speaking about the end of time when judgment starts. The Lord has risen from his seat. Next, on the right hand of the Father, He has returned to earth and the judgment starts. Time is no more. You cannot come to the Lord during that time. The time for conversion is over. And at that time, when you see the others entering into the kingdom, and the prophets will be there, and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob will be there, and the converted Jews will be there, and converted Gentiles will be there, and a converted rabble, you and I, will be there. And you, if you are not one of the Lord's, you will see them going in, and there will be gnashing of teeth, 
and wailing. And it's not going to be a wailing of regret. Are you listening to me today? It's not going to be, if only I'd listened. It's not going to be that regret. It's going to be wailing of frustration. Because they haven't included you because you're good enough. Your pride will keep you out even in that moment. You see, the gnashing of teeth is the clue there. Because the gnashing of teeth, the grinding of teeth is of anger. It's always spoken of in the Bible of anger. And the anger is because these Jews would see the patriarchs sitting in heaven, but they are not regarded as good enough to join them. And they will be angry. And they will cry out of frustration. And if they could stone the Lord, then they would still stone him. You see, our pride will keep us out of heaven on that last day. That's what Jesus is speaking about here. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says it's not going to end there. It's not going to end with a whole lot of people banging on heaven's doors and walking around outside and banging again. Something else is going to happen, I'm afraid. If you read further in the Bible, in Revelation, at the end of Luke, you will see the Bible speaks of a time when there will be a separation. And those who have been saved will go to be with the Lord and they will sit at that feast. And those who aren't saved are going to be taken from that moment of judgment and they're going to be cast into hell. There's one of two places. There's heaven or hell. There is no in-between waiting period. There is no in-between period of hanging around with your mates, passing the time. It is heaven or hell. It is perfect, a time of perfect um, joy with our Father in heaven, with the Lord Jesus Christ, or perfect terror in hell. One of the two. And you, if you do not know the Lord, will be taken, and it says they were cast out. There is force involved here, and put into that place called hell. So do you see the warning? Can I be any more forthright that there is danger here? But at the same time, I love that next bit of verse. Look at verse 29. Isn't that a beautiful verse? I look at that verse and there's hope that comes in me. You see, at the same time, where these people who are banging on heaven's gates, as it were, there is hope. They will come from the east and from the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord for that verse. Not one who is saved, not one who's gone through that narrow door who is Jesus Christ, will be left outside of the kingdom. You don't have to fear that you are going to be left out. The Lord knows whom He will save. And He will save every single one of them completely. That means 100%. You will not be left out. You will not be left behind. You will be saved. He has promised that. He will deliver you. But, have you entered through the door? If not, you will not be One day when we recline at that table, it's going to be the messianic banquet, the marriage feast of the Lamb. I want to be there. I want to hear the singing. 
as millions on millions on millions of heavenly creatures and those who are saved from before to future. Sing God's praises together. It's going to be a big table. Are you going to be seated at that table? You see, if you have been saved, you're not going to have to stand around fighting for a seat. You will have your own seat with your name on. It's going to... Now, I'm pushing it a bit. Uh-huh. But your seat will be there for you. It will be reserved. You will be at that table. Thank you, Lord, for that verse. That they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and they will come into the kingdom and be seated round that table with our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And then verse 30 comes. And that gives us a little bit of hope today as well, you see. Look at that verse. And the last will be first. And the first will be last. Now what is that all about? You see, what he's speaking about here is, and remember who his audience were at this stage, he had a lot of self-righteous leaders always with him there. And probably the one that asked that first question, how many will be saved, was one of these. And so he says, the last will be first, and the first will be last. You see, in this kingdom on earth, some of the religious leaders of his time were always first. They always had to find the street corner to pray on. That is the most popular one where most people will see me and that is where I position myself and pray. They always had to be invited to those important feasts. And if they weren't there, they were upset. And so, by the very fact that they were trying to seek self-honor, they were getting themselves these benefits. Jesus says to them, in my kingdom, those there will be some there who were last on earth but they will be first in my kingdom. And there will be some who, are, who were first on earth, but who will be last in the kingdom. You see, because in the Lord's kingdom, what counts? It's who makes honor of Jesus Christ here. That person will be first in the kingdom. And it might cost you on this earth. You might not be able to have that job because there are moral implications to having a specific job. And so you've counted the cost. You might not be able to have those friends because you've decided to become a Christian and follow the Lord. The last will be first, the first will be last. It's worth it, you see, because coming through that narrow door, Jesus says, if you offer it up for me, I give myself and my kingdom to you. You will be with me. And so we get from that passage to how does that apply to you and I? I want to put three questions to you this morning as we, as we close off the section of this passage this morning. First one is this. Are you in or out of the kingdom? Are you in or out of the kingdom? In other words, have you stepped through the narrow door through Jesus Christ? There's a yes or a no. You see, you can be so close to the promises of God and yet miss them if you haven't asked Jesus to become your Savior. 
If you haven't come to that specific, definite time of decision in your life, where you've said, Lord, I'm a sinner, you are Almighty God, and you've gone on your knees and asked Him to forgive you your sin and to make you a new person. If you haven't come to that definite time in your life, you must examine your life because you can't get in on the coattails of your parents. If they are believers, you can't do it. Jesus doesn't have grandchildren. The Father only has children. You need to be born again of the Father. Have you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ? Has Jesus Christ saved you? Do you know that you are saved? Are you striving, agonizing to enter? The second question I want to put to you is this. If you haven't come in yet, you've once again heard the appeal to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved this morning. Will you come in to the kingdom today? Will you strive, will you agonize to come in to the kingdom today? Why? Because it's a narrow, soon-to-be-shut door. Time will run out. And there will be real consequences when you've missed the cuddle. Real consequences. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 says this, Today, you all know this verse, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Now, you might have heard this appeal this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you hear the appeal, all kinds of excuses come up. Oh, but I'm not quite sure. I still have to answer this and that question. Oh, but what about God and this, this, this and this? Come to Him today. Understand what you can about Jesus Christ. That He is the only way into the kingdom. And sort out the other questions later. Those difficult ones that you still need to sort out. Sort them out later because the time is limited. Will you come in today? It is urgent. And then lastly... The last question is this. If you're a believer, if you've stepped through that narrow door, are you trying to bring others in? Or have you got the same attitude as that speaker right at the beginning of our passage of how many others will come in? Looking down the nose. I'm okay. Hmm. You see, you might not have the same nose attitude, but your heart attitude is the same. Because if you haven't got a passion for the lost, if you don't every day see people around you who are not born again and have this craving inside you to tell someone about Jesus Christ, then you've got the nose attitude. You are looking down your nose. You know, I saw this really beautifully illustrated. You must excuse the example now, James and Pamela. When James landed up in the hospital, A&E, he nearly takes over A&E. It's James. But why do they take over A&E? Because him and Pamela love the Lord. And so all the nurses, everyone coming, they're telling you about the Lord. Never mind the broken leg and blood and everything. That's the passion I'm talking about. Don't get big heads, you two. That's the passion I'm talking about. Does this passion for the lost well up inside you and spill out? You've got to tell someone today. If not, you see... You need to examine your heart. Because that's what he's speaking about. 
Are you trying to bring others in? Do you see the lost dying every single day without Jesus Christ? Does it do something to you? Does it still stir your heart? If not, you must too must bow the knee and ask the Lord to give you a heart which sees the lost. Eyes which see those who still do not know the Lord. He can do that too. I want to challenge you with 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, and I've put it real big here. If you say you're a Christian here, sitting in this service today, and I pray that as I look around me, and I know most of you fairly well now, I pray that every single one of you is a believer, and that one day around that table, I will see your face. I pray that, and you need to pray that you'll see me there. Because we can trick ourselves to think we're believers. And it can carry on our whole lives. This is what Second Corinthians says. We need to nearly daily do this. Test yourself. To see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself. Do you see the exclamation mark? I didn't put it there. It was in here. Examine yourselves. What does that mean? It means you need to take your Bible. You need to turn to those passages where it speaks about the fruits of the Spirit, if you're a Christian here. And if you're not seeing those fruits in your life, you really need to go back to question one. Test yourself. You you need to go back on your knees and say, Lord, am I really a believer? I don't see the fruit in my life. Lord, help me to see that fruit in my life. I know you've saved me, Lord, but help me to see the fruit in, in my life. I'm doing this on my knees, Lord. Don't kid yourself your whole life. You need to know the Lord and the fruit will be the evidence that you do. And if you've come through your whole life and you haven't seen any change in your life, I refer you back here. Step through that narrow door. You see, the Lord says many will try and enter and they won't be able to. And you might be one of those because only few will enter through that narrow door because it's hard. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? What's that saying? If Jesus Christ isn't in you, if those fruits aren't in you, then you have failed the test. And you need to go back to that narrow door. Don't assume you're a Christian. Make sure. Agonize. And make sure. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, so many times in your word, you put those exclamation mark passages in front of us. And this is one. Where you warn us that without you, we are lost for an eternity. And Lord, here before us, you put an open invitation Come to me and be saved. Come today to that narrow door and step through in Jesus Christ and He will make it all possible. Lord, I pray for any here that still do not know You that today will be the day when they meet with the living Lord Jesus Christ and find life. And I pray for the many sitting here who do know You 
that they will, in the words of 2 Corinthians and in Philippians specifically, that they will struggle with their faith before you, that they will with fear and trembling make sure that they are walking with you daily. And Lord, give us all a heart and spiritual eyes that see the lost around us. May we see the urgency. And may we open our mouths and may you give the courage to our feet to go, to take the gospel, to speak the gospel and see you save more through that door. Do your work, I pray. May this little church of Wanganui East be a bright light for you. And that includes you and I. Amen.